Hi, my name is Darcy Jeremy, and you're at the Business of Ergonomics podcast. This is episode three, and I'm going to talk about whether or not you need to be certified to do ergonomics professionally. So my name is Darcy Jeremy. I've been in the ergonomics field for about 15 years now. I got into it right in my undergrad, and since then I've been flying off working with Fortune 500 companies, uh, public-private. Eventually I've opened my own company out where I focused on a lot of uh, marketing techniques and uh, selling my products through some ways that I, I know my competition wasn't. And that's finally led me to having my website, which is ergonomicshelp.com, and helping uh, ergonomists, people who want to get into ergonomics, and uh, sharing some really high-level best practices. But that's just given me some credibility to start off today's podcast. What I really want to talk about is if you're on the fence and you're thinking about getting into doing ergonomics professionally, and before you want to get into it, you want to know if it actually makes sense for you to make the leap of faith. Um, So let's talk about some facts first. Uh, Well, yes. Yes. First of all, I am certified. I am a CPE through the BCPE. And in my opinion, that's the gold standard of ergonomic certification in the world. Just because I have this certification by no means means it's a necessity to get into the ergonomics field. Certainly having certification and being professionally board certified, that's a key that I want to get into in this episode. But having that board certification sets you apart in the market. And depending on where your career ambitions are, let's say if you want to work for a government institution or a big corporation, or you want to have some Um, I guess, more of a managerial role in a consulting company. Uh, Yeah, a CPE certification, a board level certification is going to be really worthwhile for you. Um, It's going to show your colleagues that you really know yourself. It's going to stuff. It's going to prove to uh, customers that um, you know what you're doing and you can serve them really well. But here's the thing. It is not the only way to get into ergonomics as a business. And it's not the only way that you can get started. Because let's face it, I've said it a bunch of times. I say it in my blog a lot. But ergonomics is not a regulated health profession. It's not. And when I first started out um, doing ergonomics, that used to be the bane of my existence. Not anymore, because there's just so much opportunity out there for anyone who has, as I said in previous podcasts, the confidence and the competence to get into ergonomics. But like I said, it's not a regulated health profession. So I'm seeing physical therapists, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, um, kinesiologists to say it's through. But those those are the, the main, um, the main health regulated health professions that are into ergonomics because there is such a congruency between their area expertise and adding ergonomics as a service offering. And it makes total sense. Think to yourself, um, let's say you work in a clinic, you're a physical therapist, you, you're a cash-based physical therapist, you 
have clients coming in and you know for a fact what caused their back pain, shoulder pain, wrist pain, hand pain is something in the office. Heck, you may have even heard them tell you, can you please just come to my office? I need you to check it out. Well, there is absolutely no reason for you to go and check it out. Of course, you need to um, have the framework to do this in the process, but compared to the education that you got into to be a physical therapist or whatever health profession that you got into, it's just a minor, um, I guess, a minor strategy that you have to learn. And um, I think it's a huge value add. It's a big pivot. I see a lot of physical therapists that do a great pivot into doing ergonomics assessments because there's such a value for both them and their and their clients and serving their clients more and uh, feeding that those um, those clients that they see during ergonomics assessments and those relationships that they build with companies feed forward into their business. Yes, you're right. It's a huge uh, symbiotic relationship between ergonomics assessments, trainings, and consultations, and what that person's already doing in their business. And all this leads to the fact that no, you don't need to be a regulated health profession. It's just really tweaking all the insights and expertise and experience that most health professionals already have into a a value-driven approach to look at what's going on in a workplace, whether you're doing office ergonomics or industrial ergonomics, and coming up with some really valuable recommendations um, to get to the root cause of the problem. And that's really what ergonomics is. Just like any other profession, you're looking at solving problems. And you're not necessarily going to know what that problem is until you get to the, the situation. But it's about providing value. And value in ergonomics comes in four separate ways. It comes with um, four separate countermeasures that put into place together can be value. But when each um, countermeasure is put independently, it's usually less effective. So let's talk about these and how, um, if you're thinking about getting into ergonomics, these are things that you absolutely need to do in every Um, consultation or assessment that you do with a client. Now, when we're talking about recommendations, we're talking about the first and priority thing that you need to be recommending, and that is called um, an engineering control. An engineering control is when you actually change the physical environment for that worker. In the industrial setting, it could be that you you lower things or you raise things or you bring things within a, a closer reach envelope for that user. Or you bring in other devices to make it less, um, I guess, ergonomically stressful for that individual as well. What about the office environment? Well, same type of thing. So remember the key thing here is reducing the ergonomic risk. And what you want to do with engineering controls is change the environment. We're talking about adjusting the heights of desks, of chairs, of keyboard trays, of monitors, of reach distance to the mice, of reach distance to the uh, keyboard, of looking at glare. There's so much opportunity to make sure that that work environment fits the neutral posture 
of that person doing the job. And that can also be applied to the industrial um, situation, of course. Engineering controls are by far the most value-added recommendation that you could ever make in the office, hands down. I sometimes see new folks into uh, ergonomics uh, first recommend stretching and other types of um, habit-based interventions that literature has said, hands down, doesn't work for the long term because this is based on people's memory and their attention to detail. And this is where engineering solutions really shine. It really shines on how um, how they can really uh, eliminate or at least significantly reduce the, the risk right then and there. Let's talk about the next type of countermeasure now, and this is the administrative countermeasure. And this is really more focused on um, non-specialized jobs. And this is where you uh, change either uh, the amount of tasks that they, that person does or the order that that person does the job to reduce ergonomic risk to those bodies, uh, parts of the body. Um, on a very small scale, it's about changing the tasks that that person does in the office. Let's say they have 10 different tasks that they do from phone calls, from um, walking to their colleagues to talk to them, to filing, to paperwork, all this stuff. It's about um, organizing the layout of their own day so that they don't do two or three hours of sitting out one time, one hour of filing, two hours of phone conversation, sitting down. It's about changing their own, I guess, mental fortitude in incorporating some of um, those postural changes. And of course, when I say this, it's a habit-based change, which is not the strength of an administrative control. An administrative control, hands down, has been when there's a process or a procedure that has been changed for that person. And this is more uh, contingent on an industrial type of setting. So let's say um, there's uh, job rotation strategies or job um, enlargement or enrichment strategies where they take... Um, and they, they change the task so one part of the body isn't continually stressed. So, of course, to get into this, a whole thorough ergonomic analysis absolutely needs to be done so you don't introduce any more risk than you need to introduce. The next thing that I'm going to talk about, this is the third down, so we're talking about valuable recommendations being first, engineering controls, the second, administrative controls, and the third is um, um, <laughs> behavioral controls. I had that on the top of my mind, and gosh, when you <laughs> when you're, you have to make the decision on the call, sometimes it just gets lost. But the third on the docket is behavioral controls. Yes, you heard right, behavioral controls. What are behavioral controls, Darcy might be asking? Well, I'm glad you asked. A behavioral control is something that is focused on what that person can control. You might have heard it from time and time again of someone stretching through the day. That is a behavioral control. Someone remembering to lift properly. That is a behavioral control. Um, like I mentioned before, behavioral controls focus on the habits of that individual 
to limit exposure to ergonomic risk. And if you're anything like me, um, who wants to provide a lot of value to the organization when you're coming and doing these types of uh, consultations, relying on a habit of an individual to get their job done and to reduce ergonomics risks is a very risky strategy. There's a really famous quote that says, hope is not a strategy. And hoping that that person remembers to do stretching techniques in their day is not going to be effective and not going to be worth that company's money to have you there, in my humble opinion. Uh, literature speaks to this. Um, there's been numerous white papers published saying that um, relying on the memory of staff to stretch through the day is not uh, should not be a part of a framework for any company's um, ergonomics uh, risk strategy or health and safety approach. So I'll let you chew on that a bit because on that point, stretching or a behavioral recommendation can go hand in hand with an engineering recommendation. They can support each other. But one cannot be, stretching cannot be recommended by itself. Lastly, let's move on to the fourth countermeasure on the hierarchy of ergonomic controls. And this is personal protective equipment. It is the least effective at reducing ergonomic risk. However, there is some merit to it. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, this is all about providing those comfort items, anti-fatigue matting, workstation padding. These are really good examples of things that improve the comfort, but do not reduce the ergonomic risk. So there you have it. Those are the four top um, recommendation levels that I would use every time I do a recommendation. Uh, whenever I do an ergonomics report, I focus on engineering suggestions first. Then I might bring in some administrative. Rarely, if ever, do I ever talk about stretching. That's a behavioral control. And then I do talk about um, PPE, which is, you know, the anti-fatigue mats, things like that, because they are valuable if it supports um, an engineering control. But by itself, the, um, the behavioral and the PPE, personal protective equipment controls, are not going to be valuable whatsoever. So that's the main framework when you need to get into ergonomic assessments, when you're thinking about it. But what else do you need to know when you want to get into doing a quality ergonomic assessment? Well, you need to know the process. And the process is something that takes time to really get into. And that's going to be something that I'm going to probably talk about in another episode. It's just a little bit too much to what I want to get into today. The focus of today was just trying to make really clear that you don't need to have uh, the board level certification, but you do need to be competent. Um, there is technically no board level certification for office ergonomic assessors. If you catch my drift there, there's an ergonomics board level certification, but nothing specifically in office ergonomics. So that means that there are a lot of private label courses out there. <laughs> 
Um, I have a, a private label course through ergonomics help that I train people in who want to learn how to do office ergonomic assessments. There's a variety. There's so many out there um, in the market that shows you how to do office ergonomic assessments or ergonomic assessments. But the main thing when you're going through this, it's that certification is not a requirement. You are um, learning from someone else's expertise to save you time and make you more money so you could get it started sooner. There's, there's a subtle differentiation there. Um, the certification, technically, because it's not board certification, in my opinion, certification is a piece of paper. I believe that if you are competent and confident, you don't need a piece of paper. I, I offer a piece of paper with my course is called the Ergonomics Blueprint, but really it's just a piece of paper. A piece of paper doesn't actually prove you can do quality office ergonomic assessments. The market proves that you can do quality ergonomic assessments. Uh, you do need to be competent and confident in doing that, though. And the best way to get started for some people, again, it's like that reverse uh, framework strategy is to get that piece of paper. And that's all I wanted to um, bring it bring it to you today in this episode, episode number three of the Business of Ergonomics podcast, getting yourself out there, taking the leap of faith, trying ergonomics assessments if you have any interest in it whatsoever, ever. Lots of information on my blog, ergonomicshelp.com, to help you get started. On that note, my name is Darcy Jeremy. Hope you're having a lovely day, and I will see you soon in episode number four. Take care. Bye-bye.